0: You know, when I m- moved up to Portland, well, actually, when we moved up to Portland, one of the things that I loved about coming up here was that there was Grateful Dead family that owned businesses up here. Yeah. And now, six years later, one of those businesses actually is sponsoring No Simple Road. It's a trip. Yeah. That is <laughs> Fire on the Mountain, y'all. If you haven't been there to go grab a bite to eat, it is time. It is a new year starting. It's time. To go try something new, or it's time to revisit those old favorites. Yeah, and you what, can't what can go I expect you can't go wrong with the bomb ass chicken wings. Uh-huh. And I have to say that if you are an onion ring fan, they have the best onion rings you have ever tasted in your whole entire life at Fire on the Mountain. They brew their own beer. They've got the best desserts. They have the best fried pickle spheres
1: not like pickle nickels the spheres like when no, you bite into not spheres, it spears, spears. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be interesting uh, a
2: sphere a sphere,
1: a sphere would be a ball <laughs> excuse me
0: well, they, spears
2: they did have um apple spheres <laughs> <laughs> they,
0: did. yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. they didn't
2: call it spheres that but is, they were amazing
0: that's something cool about fire on the mountain too is every month they have at the three locations here in portland and the two in denver They have like rotating different sauces and they have different desserts in each location. Also
2: a different, like this was um, just this past uh, week was Buffalo Chicken Spring Rolls.
0: Okay. I'm here for that. They've
2: got so many different things that it behooves you to visit them on a regular basis so you can find some new favorites.
0: And if you're not in Portland or Denver, you can go to PortlandWings.com and get yourself some of their dope ass swag. Like I said, this is Grateful Dead family and... When you go there, you can definitely tell that one of us owns a store. <laughs> and, you know, grab yourself some swag, get yourself some yeah, sauces, have beanies. a little party at your house, and, you know, you have a whole Fire on the Mountain thing going on. So go check it out. Three locations here in Portland, two in Denver, Fire on the Mountain. Speaking of Grateful Dead family, let's just say Shop Tour Bus is our longest reigning sponsor of No Simple Road.
2: Thank you for believing in us so for such a long time, Shop yeah. Tour Bus.
0: I mean, we were working on like four years
1: with them. It has been amazing to see them growing as we grow. Yep. Yeah. Like, we've been growing together this that entire time and they just keep getting doper and doper.
0: And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to ShopTourBus.com or on Instagram, you can go to at ShopTourBus and check out the Grateful Dead inspired designs they have. They are always coming up with new, rad shit you guys. And these aren't your you know, old, tired lot designs. No. These are something new and fresh. fresh. They're going to come to you in a hand-designed, one-of-a-kind box if you request it, or an all-over printed box, and they throw all kinds of extra stuff in there, too. It's not just the shirt, hoodie, sticker, whatever that you ordered from them. It's all kinds of rad stuff that they surprise you with when you get this box, so you're not just getting your order. You're getting a keepsake box. You're getting all kinds of extras, and they also include miracle bootlegs in some of the orders, so you never know if you're going to end up with a grateful dead cassette bootleg. And they
1: just got to restock a restock of bootlegs, so I think Ooh. your chances are uh, better. And if you got <laughs> if
0: you got a, you know, a big rack of bootleg tapes that are sitting around the house collecting dust and you don't know what to do with them, think about trading shop tour bus. They do yeah. trades and you know what would happen? All those bootlegs that you have just sitting around doing nothing would end up in the hands of the Grateful Dead family and making people really happy. And if you want to be really happy when you check out at Shop Tourbus, put in the promo code No Simple Road, no all simple road. one word and you're gonna get free shipping because like we said, they're part of our family, your family, Shop Tour Bus.
2: We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere.
1: Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, the Fab Fo, and Sean Colvin, and so many
0: more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp, Happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co write, workshop, and perform with like minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattingale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available. And spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongssummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. Officially made it to the last week of 2022. Like what? Wait, today's Friday, so it'll day after tomorrow is New Year's Eve. I can't, yeah. I can't <laughs> believe it, man. I well, hey, no, no, Simple Road family, what's up, everybody? How's it going? This is Aaron. Uh, this is Mel,
1: and this is Apple.
0: Yeah, I, can't, I was. Thinking today, remembering at the beginning of the year last year, I
1: last
2: year
0: the, uh, this year.
2: Oh, I was gonna say, dang,
0: I was concerned about if we were gonna be able to get enough guests to fill the year up. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a real no. thing that I thought about last year, man. Well, it wasn't
1: a worry now, was
0: it? No, no. I th- I'm definitely not doing that you this know, year.
2: Then I think that a thank you and a gratitude is in order for that. Cause that's a literal prayer answered.
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. It is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, a, it's a, it's, it, the it's also a stupid head trip overcome.
2: Exactly. <laughs> and that's why it's like, we're all laughing like whatever. But when stuff like that happens, we got to call it out because it's something that we thought we weren't going to like, you're like, what are we going to do? And lo and behold, <laughs> and <laughs> almost 300 episodes I in.
0: And finishing the year with this episode mm. is super special.
2: It's special for a lot of reasons. We have the one, the only, Jay Blakesburg and his wonderful, beautiful sidekick daughter, Ricky Blakesburg.
0: Yeah. This is going to be, you're going to really really enjoy this episode. We had a blast. They came to the house. This is here. We did this here in the studio. This isn't a zoom call. And, um, we've, you know, we've known Jay for a while now since I can't remember where we first met. I think it might've been Skull and Skull Rose and roses. roses 2019. Yeah. Um, but it's always been like, we're all working and we're doing stuff. And then we, we, and he's
2: s- very, very professional and when very he's busy. Work. Yes. I, yeah.
0: and, you know, and then we saw each other at Peach and we had a couple of minutes to wrap for a few. And then that well, was Well, me
2: and Apple had a cute moment with Jay um, while you were inside of the, where? What, he like, was
1: off doing something and we were sitting yeah. on the hill waiting for him. And Jay walked yeah. by and he goes, oh, no simple road. Well, yeah. two of you or
2: something. Yeah, and, and then he took a picture of me and Apple. And I was like, it's your time to take a picture before we hit it big, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> and he got a picture of me and Apple, which we haven't seen yet. But, this is
0: when they were coming up.
2: But it was really cool to have these little moments with Jay. Um, the last Skull and Roses, I didn't, um, he was so busy working. I saw him, but I didn't, you know, we didn't connect. But he, you guys did. That's a dude that's
0: like literally everywhere mm-hmm. it, any if if something's happening <laughs> jay's there and it's In like the, i don't know how you can be everywhere at once it's that's a talent mm-hmm. yeah
1: when he has a way like it's skull and roses when you see a huge crowd assembled it's usually jay getting like this huge picture he did that i turned around skull and roses i like, couldn't see him but i saw like all of a sudden the bleachers everybody was in tight and everything and look and there's jay getting everybody to wow. squeeze in to take this amazing picture capturing a bunch of the audience and and i remember at skull and roses talking to him for a moment because we had our new cameras mm, and we were oh using yeah. them and i said to jay i was like joking around like if you need to borrow mine and he's like you know what apple Know what the best camera is to use? And I was like, no, I thought he's going to be like model something. He goes, whatever you got.
0: That's the truth. Ruth. Dang. That's some, that's hard one experience yeah. talking right there. Yes, it is. You know, it, it, I'm sure that everybody listening knows who Jay is, but if you don't, he is the man behind so many iconic photographs that have been with you your whole life yes. and you didn't know it like, or you did. Yeah so many pictures of Jerry, every, everybody. It's not just the Grateful no. Dead. No, you, you look through his work. I like, had
1: in the 80s and 90s, I had, he had did so many covers and photo shoots for like Rolling Stone, everything. I had so many of his pictures I didn't realize were his until I saw a bunch of them, yeah. you know, more recently. It was like I had that hanging on my wall for years when I was growing up.
2: Yeah, it's like the, the band that you loved. Seen the way that you always remember them, do you know what i'm saying yep. like ah. if if you never got to see the band and have like an image in your head, but you had that photo or that you know relics magazine or the Rolling Stone, you had that view that jay created
0: yeah it, and it, it, that's
2: it, like that's stays with you forever
0: the images that he's created or that he's captured
2: yeah captured
0: are the way that Many of us picture our favorite rock stars in our minds. From seeing those photos for so many years, when I think of Jerry, I think of that iconic photo that he took with Jerry pulling his glasses down. Or Yorma. He, or your uh, that picture of Yorma, <laughs> yeah, his yeah, first yep. gnarly, crazy eyes, And and some
2: of the flaming lips ones too. The yep. bubble, the bubble at Coachella. That is huge. Yeah. An incredible shot. And you know, he's on the stage. He's off the stage. He's in the bleachers. He he's everywhere, like man. everywhere. And then to have his daughter here with us, who was the inspiration behind creating retro Blakesburg, which is what we're talking about today. What talking about the book and it, and the Instagram and the Instagram. Exactly. And to have them both here and just to see them playing off of each other. <laughs> and like, it, is so cool. it was such a, it was a treat. It was, it, it was beautiful well, and we
1: well, and then the night before they came over here we went to
3: oh, a little wow. like
1: local pub up here Laurel thirst or, yeah Laurel thirst Tavern and he was put, uh, putting on like a slideshow. Of his work, and of we the got retro. To, of yeah retro Blakesburg, and we got to go hang out and see that. Which and was, it was really cool, cool to
2: celebrate your birthday. It was on your birthday, yeah, babe. Yeah, and to hear that talk and like he really packed the place, and it was so funny and interesting and fun to watch. It, and
0: it, it really does underscore to me, and this is something that's come up a few times lately on the show. Is and we I think we actually talk about this in the interview. Is like how. In the live music scene, Grateful Dead family in particular, though, if you are passionate about something and you're coming from the heart, the thing makes space for you Mm -hmm. and gives back and lets you do your thing. And we have witnessed that firsthand as no simple road. You know what I mean? Like I remember reaching out to, um, Terrapin crossroads and we weren't that far in to no simple road. We were a couple years in at the most at the time.
2: I mean, we're all, a couple years is half of no simple roads life, you know, Well,
0: still in the life of a podcast. That's not that long. And like being allowed to podcast from there was monumental, a huge milestone for us. And like, absolutely. I remember feeling like, wow, the energy of the grateful dead family, whatever that is, the, the community is opening its arms to us and like we need to show up for Yeah, that.
2: basically Phil had you in his living room.
0: Yeah. That's kind of how <laughs> yes. like
2: that yeah. Terrapin Crossroads was very like homey and like such a great vibe and like just like a, a it wasn't quaint. It was like groovy, groovy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was super groovy. And we were invited to share our story and with the Higgs, thanks to them for coming out and, you know, doing their performance and being on stage with us. But we were open armed accepted.
0: Yeah. And just seeing how Jay's, um, career, has been so DIY by him yeah. in taking chances and um, being at the right place at the right time, and, and even
2: learning what type of photography was going to pay the bills. Right by, but just by thinking and then like critical thinking,
0: and then Ricky having the idea of like, "Hey, Dad, you have all this film stuff that nobody's seen. Why don't we curate something with that?" Like. Paying homage
2: to to dad, it's dope
0: man. The whole thing is really cool. Yeah. Well, that's an, this is another really good
1: example of something amazing that happened through what we went la- went through in the last few years. Yep, this gave the time to go for Ricky to go through this archive, uh, which you'll hear about and. To pull this all together and be like, Dad, you're dope. I want to mm-hmm. celebrate yeah. you, and I, I want to show pull this together. all the people
2: that are my and, age who don't know you. Yeah,
1: and then this book is amazing. Yes, it, it it tells Jay's story from being a kid and picking up a camera and just starting to take pictures to it, it's like four chapters through different decades, and this is all before he started shooting digital. <clears throat> so it's really a look into him growing up and everything. And it's amazing what this man has been through and he's still just kicking it better than ever. He's like,
2: <laughs> he seems like he's his 20 something year old self. Yeah. He, he doesn't seem, he seems ageless. And is my point, like, like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like do. there's no like, Oh, thirties, For fifties, forties. Like it doesn't matter with Jay. He's doing his thing. And I'm really proud of you know somebody that, like you said, DIY. You create your entire
0: like livelihood, livelihood, and, life.
2: and how smart he is to want to pass that on to his kids too. Yep, it's it's a uh, that's yeah.
0: a that's a special legacy.
2: Yes, very much so.
0: And uh, I am.
2: It is s- not too late to order retro Blakesburg. No. <laughs> for any occasion, new years, you want to, you got a new coffee table. You need a cool book for it. Like, or just cause just because you love Jay Blakesburg, just cause you're a music fan. Like this is an excellent or a photography fan for that matter. This is a really great gift to give someone. And I really implore you to go order this book because it was really special.
0: And also make sure you go to the Instagram at retro Blakesburg too. Cause a lot of these photos and other stuff that didn't make it into the book is up on that Instagram site. And it's, it's pretty magical, man. See these, these images, a lot of them like really do transport you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh It's a, it's a, there's a feeling for me when I see those pictures of the dead lot in the eighties and early nineties, it's a feeling that's attached to the picture. I remember that. I know a what time machine. I know what that smelled like. Mm-hmm. Like I know how the sun felt. I can remember how my clothes were. I remember the sounds that were there and how excited I was and like that feeling of being eighteen and out of my mind. And <laughs> it was you know, so those it's a magic portal. These things are magical.
2: Well, another cool thing was It was on Thanksgiving. So your birthday was on the 22nd. I think Thanksgiving was a few days later. And we had some friends, a new friend, um, uh, having Thanksgiving with us. And he happened to be a photographer. And after everybody went to bed that night, yeah, Johnny, Brian, Danae, and myself stayed up, looked through every page of this book. And he, because he's a photographer, just was, he was explaining the lighting. He was explaining the lens. He was explaining the, like, look how he got this and and, and this over here. And it was so interesting to see that book through a photographer's eyes, like to literally turn the page and be like, oh, look at this lighting. Yeah, man. And it was just like... Again, it's it's the book that keeps on giving.
0: It (laughs) really is, and this is the uh, conversation that keeps on giving too. We're gonna enough enough about us. (laughs) Well, it's
2: really been all about Jay. Yeah, (laughs) let's uh,
0: let's do the business real quick and get him to the interview. I just want to say
2: really quick, Jay, thank you so much for um, being on No Simple Road again and coming to our home. Ricky, thank you for what you've done, and we really are. Um, forever fans of of your work, and we love you guys a whole yep. bunch.
0: Yes, follow No Simple Road at No Simple Road on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and it, TikTok. On TikTok, Woohoo. how's the TikTok going, Apple?
1: Hi, I got to do some more updates. All right, yeah, you do.
2: It's
0: going all right. And yeah, it was the
1: well, it was the weekend. We kind of did like took a breather for a moment and stuff. But I'm gonna be doing the same thing. There's gonna be a recap of the last year happening on TikTok all week.
0: Oh shit! All right. Yep. Go to www.nosimpleroad.com. You can sign up for a tarot reading. You can get No Simple Road merch there. You can check out the calendar of events and come hang out with us. When we go to shows, you'll see where we're going to be. You can sign up for the No Simple Road newsletter. There is a link at nosimpleroad.com right now to get your tickets for Skull and Roses Festival, April 19th, 20th. 21st, 22nd, and 23rd in Ventura, California, five days.
2: And there is also a link for our fundraiser in February uh, 15th in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, no simple disruption. So head on over there. If you are on the East Coast, uh, come join us for this incredible fundraiser. You will love it.
0: Yeah, man. O'Till Burr. It's a it's, uh, John Modesky and friends. It's Oteal Burbridge, John Medesky, Vernon Reed, Brian, Brian Jackson, Jackson Maggie, Rose. Maggie Rose, DJ logic putting on a show at the salvage station in Asheville, With North poets, Carolina,
2: us emceeing and
0: just whatever shenanigans we can get into. This is going to be a hell of a night. Tickets are 20 bucks. Uh, advance and 25 the day of show. And like Mel said, there's a link up at nosimpleroad.com. You click through and grab your tickets and come hang out with us in Asheville on the 15th of February. And um, there's a link to Jenny's book up there. That's right. If you want to pre-order Jen's book, that's up there. And then um, you can go to patreon.com forward slash nosimpleroad and help the no Simple Road family stay alive.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Stay afloat. Well, you
2: know, look, 2023 is coming. We have so much going on in 2023 already, and it hasn't even happened yet. And we could use your support. We could use your love. We could use your dollars. We could use your hundreds of dollars. We could use whatever you want to give us. Here's
0: the deal. We're pushing 300 episodes. We want to do 300 more. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is if you guys all pitch in and help us get there. So like I said, patreon.com forward slash no simple road. You can give as little as a buck a month. If you want to do something that doesn't cost anything, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And I think we do have a new review. Yeah, we
1: do have what? a new review. Yes, we did. Someone heard Someone the cry. We, right at the end. Oh, thank man. you so thank much. You. Yeah. Thank you
2: so much. I don't even know what it says yet, but thank neither. you. Neither. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I didn't read. I, I read it earlier, but this is from K- Canis Funk. Yeah, uh, this came in on Sunday. Okay. Twice as nice. <laughs> 5 stars. Really enjoy the new format. Who doesn't love twice as many no simple road Aww. episodes each week? Happy holidays, Mel, Aaron, Apple, and NSR family. Aww. See y'all in Asheville. Oh, shit.
2: Canis Funk. Hell so yeah. The,
1: somebody is going to be joining us in Asheville. And again, Asheville, we've been wanting to go for a long time. And it's amazing the mm-hmm. way Thank we're going to be seeing Thank
0: you, Canis Funk. It. Thank you so
2: much for ending our year December. off right. Woo! Canis Funk. Ooh, we love
0: you. See you in Asheville, baby. I hate to be um, mm-hmm. like, all right, on to the next thing. But I'm going to be on to the next thing. Look, we need a January <laughs> review, so hook us up, y'all. That is Apple Podcast, and yeah. that helps us other people find out about the show and
1: all. And then, then we have the ever, ever fun tepid line nine seven one eight zero eight fifteen
0: twenty four. That number again is 971-808-1524. 971-808-1524.
1: Yeah, so that is, we've asked for all kinds of things, but this is where you can do whatever you want. I always say, it's like open mic. You call in, I mean, we love the trip reports, because we know everybody's going to shows. I have
0: a suggestion. What's the suggestion, Aaron? If any of you are at EMSG, just call in from the show.
2: Nobody did it for... um.
0: Goosemas. Goosemas. No.
2: no, I'm not Goosemas. T- Trey and Goose. Nobody did it for oh, that. For yeah. taboos. taboos. Nobody. Nobody's doing it. There's yeah, well, like know. thousands of fans. Nobody there
1: listens to we No Simple got Road. No Simple Road listeners yeah. at the MSG. Yeah, we know somebody <laughs> other than John B. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's right. <Got laughs> to see one you of You know what? Shows. Call the
2: John B line. <laughs> a few Nathan- weeks ago, and Nathaniel. Oh, Nathaniel, he Nathaniel. us a video. Yes, he
0: did. All right. So that's the whole thing. That's all the business, and w- that is that. So without further ado. The No Simple Road crew gives you Jay and Ricky Blakesburg. Uh,
3: What the Dr. Dre story. What now? We'll start with Dr. Dre. So, uh, you know, most people know of me as hippie, jam band, Grateful Dead photographer, and somewhere along the way in the... In the 90s, uh, I worked with this art director named Dave Cucurito. Um, I haven't talked to him in years and years. And he had moved over from Musician Magazine to The Source, which is like the, yeah. Bi- yeah. the no. Bible of hip-hop yep. magazines. And, uh, and I shot a bunch of features for him, but I did two really important covers for him. I did Snoop and I did Dre. And for the Dre cover, um, I flew down to L.A. and uh, went to this photo studio that we had rented and waited there for seven or eight hours and Dre never showed up. Oh. Right. And, 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 and the hip hop world runs on clocks like that, right there. You know, that's typical, you know, typical, uh, scheduling. And then I finally got a call from the publicist who said that, um, Dre had been in the recording studio, the recording studio the entire night and, uh, would not be able to make the shoot, could I come back tomorrow? And I said to the publicist, it was a woman named Lori Earle, and I said, yes, but I need to fly back to San Francisco tonight because Primus is playing at the Civic, and I promised them I would come and shoot that show. And she was actually Primus's publicist also because they were both on Interscope Records. Okay. And so she's like, no problem, we'll fly you back, we'll fly you up and back, no problem. So I go back to... Primus, and thank God that I did because they had the greatest nitrous party ever in the <laughs> backstage uh, uh, dressing room. Right? Show
4: those photos. Last uh, night. Well, I've
3: told that story yeah, before, but so I, I took it out. So, um, you know, like, uh, do you know that photograph inside that Garcia record with Merle Saunders where they got the tank of nitrous yeah. and they're all sitting in that in the dressing room at the Keystone mm-hmm. Berkeley or wh- whatever Keystone it is? It's like that. So everybody in the band and all the crew guys and all their friends and we're all in this big dressing room with. All the mirrors at the Bill Graham Civic, uh, and they got—we just all, all have balloons, you know. And it's just like one of those classic things. So thank God, because you never want to miss a good nitrous party. Nope. <laughs> back, <laughs> backstage, backstage with Primus in 1995. So anyway, oh so I gosh. so I fly back down to 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 LA the next day. And um, I go to the studio, and we have a wardrobe stylist. It's a magazine cover, and the and the premise of the cover story is that um, Dre is leaving Death Row Records, right? Because um, Suge Knight and him have this falling out, and so he's leaving Death Row. And Death Row's logo is an electric chair. So we go down to the Hollywood Prop Studio and we rent an electric chair, oh, like no. a prop electric oh, wow. chair, right? And that's the f- cover photo which you saw in the slideshow last night here in Portland. And uh, so that's the main shot. And really I was just in a a studio with a white wall and an electric chair, but, um, uh, we had like all this wardrobe. We had a, a gazillion t-shirts in every color and sweatpants. And, you know, we had a wardrobe stylist and they told us what he, what size he is and what he likes to wear. And we had like, you know, six, eight foot tables laid out with every possible wardrobe combination you can imagine. So Dre gets there three hours late of with an entourage of 15 or 18 people in like three or four SUVs and, and a limousine. And uh, they walk in and he looks at all the wardrobe and he says, I don't like anything here. We're going shopping on Melrose. Oh. So him and the entourage get back in their their vehicles oh no. and they drive back up to Melrose Avenue and they go shopping and they come back and he's wearing a black t shirt and black sweatpants, okay, like Adidas <laughs> with a white stripe down the side, right? Same thing that we had like you know ninety different versions of, right? So but they're gone for three hours, right? So we're you know we've already missed the whole first day of the shoot, okay we come back and now it's in the <laughs> afternoon and uh, and he comes in What and are they, you doing during all this time? We're just sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting because it's also 95 so like I mean did we have cell phones? I guess we did but like we weren't really in t- in touch with them. Yeah. You know? yeah. We probably had our Motorola flip phones. Because right, yeah. you, you know? said
2: three hours he's late then another couple three yeah, hours. because like, he's
3: supposed to be there at 11 in the morning and he gets there at like 2 and <sighs> they go shopping he gets back at like 5 you know so something like that. Maybe, maybe it was two hours and two hours yeah, you know, yeah. right. like. You know... Hip hop time. So anyway, so he comes back and they they come in the studio and they lock the door and they say, no one is allowed in the studio because um, Dre has a hit out on him by Suge Knight. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, I'm just this hippie photographer from San Francisco. And so we lock the doors, we do the shoot of him with the electric chair and, you know, color and black and white and different formats of film, do some like close up face portraits, but it's really just a room with a white, white wall. And so I say, can we do some shot? Outside, as you're leaving, they go, "Yeah, but you got to make it fast because there's a hit out on Dre, right?" So we go out, and I get him a stand on the limousine and sit on the limousine, and on the back, and 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 behind me are his ten or twelve guys. And they all got semi-automatic weapons, oh you God. know, but because they're like, this is serious shit. Like, you know, I well, mean, yeah,
0: you got a hit out on you. It's serious yeah, shit. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And so, and again, I'm just like, dude, I'm just the fucking hippie photographer from San Francisco. Like, I do not want to go out in a hail of bullets, like, you know, in some, in some, you know, Western movie with a hip hop, you know, soundtrack. Jesus um, Right. Anyway, so, oh so uh, we do the outdoor- I mean, that would have been a hell of a way to go, though. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah. Nobody been, wants you know, it, but right. that would have right.
3: made some it, kick-ass news. It would have made a good story for Ricky to be telling this. on, yeah. on, on, on yeah. oh I'm right. born. Right.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Wow. So right. Oh yeah. You wouldn't have been born because yeah, you. Know, been, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sam wouldn't have told it because he was one. Anyway. So uh, that. So that was the shoot with Dre. But uh, uh, you know, it was. It was. It, it, you know, you can't make this stuff up in, no. in the world of rock and roll. And and uh, uh, you know. I feel very, very fortunate that, A, I have proof of it all because I photographed it. That's true. You can see
4: it on Retro Blakesburg, the Instagram. Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So So retro... Hi, Ricky.
4: Hey, Jay. So, hey. (laughs)
3: Let's um, do that.
2: If everybody hasn't figured it out right now, we have legendary photographer Jay Blakesburg and his fantastic daughter Ricky who's in graduate school who created the Retro Blakesburg Instagram account.
0: So thank And you. is and is the creative mind behind the book yes. that is now here sitting on the coffee so table.
2: So welcome yeah. Jay and Ricky and yeah, let's hear it, Ricky. Let's, let's hear, let's hear your side on how this came to be.
4: Yeah. So retro Blakesburg started in 2020 at the height of the pandemic. I went into my dad's office and I sat him down and I looked at him and I said, Hey, like I have this idea. And he's like, okay. And usually he, he usually says no to me (laughs) at the time. I was like, I have this idea. I think that we should make an Instagram entirely curated of your film photos And he's like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Can you curse? Yeah. Yeah. can you?
2: (laughs) (laughs) But Ricky, what's your background? Like, why was that a thought even for you? Well,
4: you know, I was feeling actually a little bit lost at the time. I'm, I was a photography major in college. I've always been super into photography and art and I've always really admired my dad's work, but I couldn't figure out what my connection was to Mm. it. And I had been working with him in his studio, kind of like going through his archives just because he needed a little extra help because it was a pandemic, like his employer, like employee wasn't coming in and he needed extra hands. So it was like starting to get to know his archive in a new way. So it sort of influenced my decision of like, think, you know, I was like laying in bed one night and I was just like, he has so much shit. Like this needs to go out in the world. And also I wanted a younger generation to see it. I feel like yes. a lot of deadheads know his stuff. Like, And are very familiar with these, you know, Grateful Dead, Jerry Garcia band, fish photos. But like that whole story you just told about Dr. Dre, like, you know, that isn't something that a lot of people know. He's even like taken those photos. And I think that for me, it was really important that kids my age saw that stuff, you know, and we could bring it to life.
3: Yeah. So also, you know, Ricky was underemployed at the time, right? So so Ricky's business over the last few years has been doing social media marketing for bands and music festivals. And so leading up to the pandemic, she was working for a number of music festivals. And of course, they all just disappeared and evaporated as we know, like everything else. So she lost basically her entire business evaporated overnight um, as those things just kept getting canceled, you know, in domino effect. And so um, her mind was certainly spinning and she has a creative mind. Um, she's a lot like me with a lot of ADD and she's always thinking and always coming up with ideas and so I think that and I don't know if you remember this but you know you first started an Instagram page that was a retro page, like a fashion thing. And she was like looking and finding stuff yeah. online. I think you made two posts and you're like, I don't want to do this. Like, yeah. And that's right after that is when she came to me and said, I have an idea. Right. Cause she's, cause she's like, what do you think if I do like this fashion retro Instagram thing? I'm like, that sounds cool. And then that lasted a week at most or at three most, days, yeah. you know? And then she came to me with that idea. And then I just started giving her film photos and I'm not allowed to touch that page. I'm not allowed to do captions. I'm not allowed to choose <laughs> photos. Oh, So
2: all the captions are you? Ricky? Yeah. And-
4: Yeah, all of them are me. I mean, I talk to him about the stories because I want to, you know, hear about them. But now I'm like so familiar with the archive. It's really fun. We'll be like going through his photos together and I'm like, oh, like I know where that's from or I know this, you know, like Lewis in Maine and stuff like that. So it's been really great to be able to work with him in that regard. What does that
2: feel for like, feel like with for you, Jake? Like that is a really big deal because most of the time parents don't really get that accolades.
3: Right. So. Well, the f- first thing is, is that, um, as photographers and uh, certainly as aging photographers, right. So I'm 61 okay. years old and, uh, you know, imminently and, uh, 61 years young, he's 60 is years, I would say. He's 61 years, <laughs> 61 years psychedelically young. Yes. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Um, and, and, uh, So, you know, one of the things that we certainly think about is where does our work go? What happens to our work when we can no longer work with it? And so, you know, and it's a twofold thing because Ricky and I have a separate business called Retro Photo Archive, where we actually acquire dormant photography collections from people that shot music and pop culture in the 60s and the 70s and things like that, right? So, so there's, that's rad. So there's people that are out there that maybe they shot for five years here in Portland at the Crystal Ballroom in the 70s, or if I don't know if that existed back then, or whatever right. the room might be. Yeah. And then they went on to have a different career or they did something else, because it's not easy to make a living as a music photographer. And those photos have been in a banker's box in their basement or their garage for 40 years or 30 years. And so we're slowly discovering these collections and we're, we're buying them. And what's important is to keep that work in those photographers' names. Some mm. of them are deceased, some of them are elderly, Uh, Some of them haven't done anything with their work in many, many years. And so we're sort of resurrecting this work. So for me as a photographer, you know, getting to be, you know, and I'm by no means ready to retire or give this up or anything like that. But having a 25-year-old daughter, 26-year-old daughter, 27-year-old daughter, I say, okay, now I can pass this on to her cuz she has interest and not every kid is interested exactly. in what their father no, did. My kids, yeah. my kids are not well, starting a podcast. That, well, that's right. why
2: I mentioned that because I know that, you know, you have kids and just because they're part of you doesn't mean that they like the stuff that you do or are into the same right. stuff,
3: you know. And so to me, I look at Ricky and I say, "Okay, my work can stay alive for the next 50 years." Aww. Right? And that's- to me that's really important. But part of that is you know, I look at my body of work and I feel like it's important historically. I think it's Absolutely. In, it's important um, from a, a monetary standpoint in terms of generating revenue for, you know, my daughter as a career. It's, so yeah, that, it's a legacy. So that she doesn't have to go work at Burger King and manage the archive, you know, to do that. I want her to be able to focus completely on the archive, which is why we started Retro Photo Archive. And we have some incredible stuff. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Please. Um, you don't got to be quick, Jake. Ron Rakow. Ron Rackow yeah, yeah. ma- managed the Grateful Dead from 67 to the mid 70s. Okay. Um, when I did my book, Eyes of the World, the Grateful Dead photography book five years ago with Josh Barron. Yep. Um, uh, after we did that, Josh and I were talking. We were saying, let's work on a new book project. What do you want to do? And we started talking about doing something on 1975, specifically the one show they did in Speedway or in Lindley Meadow which was the free concert they did in 75, right? You guys know about that show. Yep. 1975 is a very unique year in the Grateful Dead history, right? They played four concerts that year. Three of them were billed as Jerry Garcia and Friends, but was the whole Grateful Dead. One of them, one from the vault at the Great American Hall, mm-hmm. was the Grateful Dead. So at first, we because so many photographers shot that that Lindley Meadow show in Golden Gate Park we were like, this would be great. So we started doing all this research, but then we felt like we were pigeonholing it too much. So we said, let's do a book on just 1975. So we started interviewing people and Josh found Ron rackow because that's when they were editing the Grateful Dead movie. Oh, wow. The band was on hiatus, deciding if they were going to go back on the road. They were getting ready to record Blues for Allah up at Weir studio that they were building. All this stuff was happening, right? Grateful Dead Records was still happening. They had put out Wake of the Flood and Mars Hotel on, on Grateful Dead Records. And so we start interviewing Ron and he says, by the way, in the sixties, when I was working with the band, um, I had a Nikon camera and I knew how to use it. And I've got thousands of photos of the Grateful Dead that nobody oh, has seen. No so it took a year and eventually I connected with him down in, in Southern California went into a storage facility and found nothing, went to a second storage facility and eventually found a notebook that said 710 Ashbury, 1967. And then found nine more notebooks like that. And I scanned 900 photos of the Grateful Dead from 67 to 73 that nobody's ever seen. And these photos, Sweet. they are just
4: unbelievable. Like the color in them, you can just like feel the energy pulsing in these images. So he really knew what he was doing. Yes, he knew. Right. bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Well, he wow. went on to
3: take photography very seriously post Grateful Dead, shooting medium format and studio lighting and, you know, travel photography all around the world and nude models and large format and all this stuff. But, you know, I, and then I, but it was all color. And I'm like, "Where's the black and white?" He goes, "Shot thousands of rolls." I'm like, "Where's yeah. it?" He goes, "I don't know." A year later, I go back down through Southern California for Dead and Co at Hollywood Bowl. Stop at this place to have lunch. He hands me a suitcase. I'm like, "What's this?" It's oh, like, film. "It's the black and white negs, right?" So there's another hundred, and just for no reason, an, just to hand them over. Another hundred or rolls, so rolls of film, including ten rolls of film of them recording the first record in L.A. First Grateful Dead record in the, the Golden st- Road in the studio. First record, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. So we have so we so there's pictures of the airplane and Janis Joplin and the human being and the mamas and papas and and hippies and freaks and the dead and Mountain Girl and all these incredible Tim photographs. Tim Leary, like he hung out at Millbrook. He was, um, uh, you know who Art Kleps is? He's the guy that wrote the definitive biography of Millbrook. You know what Millbrook is, right? He wrote the, like, he went to Art Kleps' wedding, okay, as a guest and photographed Tim Leary officiating it, right? He has photographs of Leary leading guided LSD trips at Millbrook, okay, in 67. Um, Peggy Hitchcock, who was Billy Hitchcock's sister, that's who owned the the Millbrook mansion. He was, that was Ron's girlfriend in the 60s. So there's something. to all of this that is striking
0: to me is that the energy of the grateful dead and the grateful dead family is so intense that that stuff finds where it needs to be without you having to do a ton of legwork. Like that stuff wants to be found and knows who to go to, to get itself out. That's yeah. like, why,
2: why did he just gave it to you? Like, here it well, is he, I, so he
3: still owns it and, okay and, and Ricky and I manage it okay okay, okay. you know so so um, you know because he wants this work out there as well and it has commercial value Absolutely. you know the picture I don't know if you saw the cover of Relics magazine with Jerry on it um, that was the 80th his 80, 80th birthday or 85th birthday 80th birthday right uh, just yeah. you know three four months ago uh, was yeah. a picture of Jerry in the recording studio with a microphone from 1967 when they were recording that record and it's a Ron Racco. Photo and they interviewed yeah. Ron, you know, so, so, you know, Ron wants to get his work out there and, 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 uh, and you know, the and band has access to these photos. They can use them. I mean, you know. The
4: idea of, like, Retro Photo Archive and Retro Blakesburg is, like, we want people to see and experience these photos that they haven't before. And not everyone knows, like, the proper means to do that. And yeah. nowadays, we have the platform to do it. Like, we have social media and we have the internet. And it's easy for us to be able to get it out there and, like, reach people who've well, never seen it's it it's an
0: education too because because of dead and company there is an entire new generation yes. of totally. heads that are out there that need to know where they come from that's important well because a
4: lot of people are like you know just started going because of john Mayer, right. and yeah. then they're like wait this is actually really rad like i'm gonna stick around but i agree i think that there's a lot of young kids at first when i was going to the shows i'm like name one song I'm like oh I'm such a douche that I'm asking that but <laughs> <Right. no. laughs> but, but
3: also besides young fans yeah there's like um, s- spouses new girlfriends new boyfriends oh, you yeah. know so like one of the you know you go to Mexico playing in the sand and one of the partners is a big dead and the other one's along for the ride and then all of a sudden they're saying the same thing oh wow this is pretty cool oh wow mm, you know good point wait, Jay. so where's the background where's the history where does this fit into the pop culture landscape right and so you know with the Grateful Dead, there is so much history in that because of the 60s, the Summer of Love, um, even going back to the roots of the Grateful Dead as a jug band and a folk, folk artist and bluegrass blues, yeah. and blues, but also, um, you know, the birth of Silicon Valley, the beat poets, the beats, right? So it's beats, hippies, dead, psychedelica, Silicon Valley. You know, they go from a regional Bay Area band to a nationally touring band. Uh, you know they go from this mega psychedelic band with you know live dead and the early records to american beauty and working man's dead they essentially invent americana music right right you know and then uh from there they go to what wake of the flood is that the next studio record after those um i think so uh, uh you know mars hotel blues for allah they get weird again do you know what i mean and 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 they you know if you were to you know, raise your hand in 1967 and say, who's the band least likely to succeed? You know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, people would probably say the Grateful Dead, you know, and and the band most likely to succeed would be the Jefferson airplane. Right. Yeah. You know, but here, but here we are 60 years Mm -hmm. later and the, and the Grateful Dead zeitgeist is still, you know, bigger and stronger than ever was. And, and the testament to that is the songbook, right? It is truly one of the great American songbooks, right? And Bobby and Phil and Mickey and Billy and, and every cover band around the country. <laughs> continues to reinvent and reinterpret that. I mean look at what Bob Weir just did at the Kennedy Center, right? With the symphony, he's reinterpreting and reinventing this music in new incredible ways, right? <laughs> and and so and Bobby has even talked about how, you know, this music how, how this music will be touching people 1 or 200 years from now, mm. you know, and where it fits into that landscape. And and I truly have to believe that, you know, 60 years in the way that it touches it. And so going back to the visual Aspect of what we were just mm. talking about, what Ricky was doing, is that you're right. Is that all of this history now is coming out visually, and um, I'm, I'm, and and you know, we continue to look for new archives, and we want to keep building this Grateful Dead archive well, because I think that it's important historically to be able to share this, this.
4: And I think that we like a lot of what you're saying too. Is like right now we also are living in this era of nostalgia, yep. you know, yes. and I think Ricky. that's like a huge point of retro Blakesburg is we're seeing like so much come back to the surface, whether it's fashion or music, you know, or pop culture like it's just so relevant so i feel like that's what retro blakesburg and retro photo archive is about it's like touching on this nostalgia of like what we're trying to grasp and like relive
0: i just know that when i got turned on to the dead after my first show it was so much it was so big and i had no context for that i had never I didn't know anything like that existed. And to have your mind just blown apart like that, I didn't know where I was. And if it wasn't for older heads and photos, I wouldn't have known where I came from anymore. And in a lot of ways, those old pictures and old recordings are responsible for putting me back together again in a lot of weird kind of ways, like seeing those old photos of Leary and Garcia and, Just the band back in the 70s, you know, because I came in the late 80s. Seeing the band back in the 70s gave me context of what I was dealing with and helped me kind of like... Find my feet in the world. It
3: was it was a lot. I love that. And there's also a lot of other visual aspects to the Grateful Dead experience, but particularly the the icons, the posters, right. uh, you know, and of course the photographs of people like Jim Marshall and Baron Woolman and Herb Green and and you know, and then you get into the 70s and other photographers, including you know myself and and Ed Perlstein and Bob Minken and Susanna Millman and you know so on and so mm-hmm. forth. And there's this kind of thread of visual history. You know, the thing about the Grateful Dead is that they always let any bring a camera into a show right. from the beginning of their career until until Jerry Garcia you know passed away in 1995 anybody was allowed to bring a camera in there which is why they're such a well documented band you know other commercial bands stopped that practice in the 80s and the 90s you needed photo passes and you needed credentials and things like yeah. that and so there's not that same kind of thing unless those and, and, and nowadays every band has a photographer with them on tour because yep. you have to feed that social media yeah. machine like you know what Ricky also does with some of the bands she works with um you know there's that constant need feed that feed that jones feed that machine feed that social media <laughs> totally. uh, uh, thing but you know back then you know, Paul McCartney or the Rolling Stones, yeah, maybe they had a photographer and maybe those photos are around, but it's not it wasn't as important back then to those bands, but now here we are 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years later. And if you look at the this body of work as a whole, whether it's the Grateful Dead or some other bands, you really want to see it from the beginning to the end.
4: Just to touch on something that I think my dad does that's really powerful too, is his photographs of, you know, the Grateful Dead, he has all of these people dancing. You know, it's not just the band. Like he was captured the The whole thing, the whole thing. And I think that that is like one of the first things that really attracted me to his body of work because it's really different. You know, a lot of people are like always focusing on the stage, but he's like, let's focus on the energy. And it's like going back to what you were just saying of where did I come from? Who are, who's my community? Who are these people? They're seeing the people that, you know, saw it in the 80s and it's it's that's one of my favorite things about retro Blakesburg. the Instagram is when I post these photos all the people who are commenting I was there or I see me you know mm. like it's this moment that they get mm. to
2: relive and that's so special it's wild well that's why people keep going back to shows right because totally. you want to relive these incredible experiences with brand new people and the songs even sound brand new because of how they do it. But it's this familiar. I want to go back. I want to feel that same special feeling. I want to ask a question though.
3: Hang on. Oh, oh, well, I just gonna say that's what
1: last night when we were watching the slideshow and looking at your book, that's what brings back the goosebumps even more than seeing the band. We all seen the band last night. We were like looking at each other, like, like with our, eye like, I remember see those fashions. Those I remember seeing that dude because they went to all the shows and everything. And there's not a lot of that, and you see that, and that takes you back to being that fan in the crowd, standing next to that dude. That's why I love yeah. the hippie chick books. I mean, you have that. That whole book is dedicated to people that were fans and connecting and, and
3: connecting to that that music. And and you know, one of the reasons why I've always been a photographer that's wanted to get my work out there, whether it's in book form or in magazines or whatever it might be is because, and there are a lot of photographers that just took pictures for themselves and put them in shoe boxes, right? Is because I want those photographs when you're looking at it, um, to have that. Uh, visceral feeling that brings you back to that moment, whether you're there with your, your lover, your friend, your, your, your future spouse, whatever it might be Mm -hmm. it, you know, these photographs. And that's why a lot of people, when they see my photographs and they're like, I was at that show and they want to hang that photograph on their wall. Let's just say it's because it brings them back. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and music does the same exact thing. You know, for me, you know, like if I'm driving in my car and it's the right, everything, the stars are all aligned and let's say, Hey Jude comes on the radio. Uh. Like it brings me back to being in my mother's car in the 1960s, like driving to the beach, to the Jersey Shore. Or if it's the 80s, you know, it might bring me back to like a time where I was listening to some sort of, you know, the Flaming Lips or something like that. So these songs bring you into these moments and like you said they give you goosebumps and the hair stands up on the back of your neck but but i think that photography does the same thing and that's why people connect to it and that's why when you guys were watching that last night you were having those experiences well and
1: i take lots of pictures well we we all do i i do more uh of taking pictures of a like in my phone you know thousands of pictures and stuff 80 85 90 percent of them are of us and our friends mm-hmm. and our community mm-hmm. that's the ones that are so fun because nobody's take every every like you said everybody travels with photographers and stuff there's better ones that they're getting of me taking a video or stuff it's all about capturing us and capturing my friends like i've gotten so many good shots of these two sharing a moment that they don't know I candidly got it and then I wait till the next once you come down and land again from it and it's like check this out and they're like oh, you caught that moment of us having that moment. That's, and the, yeah. to beauty me, of, that's get, the beauty I just like it's yeah. the goosebumps. Yeah, like, yeah it's been it incredible. Is. I just wanted to
2: ask because at 16 is when you started, did you realize probably not, but like that you are you're part of the you're a historian. You are a music historian up all the way till now, still currently doing that job. Like, was that something that you wanted when you were younger, or was it just much more natural and much more just open armed? You that, know,
3: back then we were just in the moment, you in the moment. You know, I was just trying to figure out my place in the script as a yeah. teenager that was, you know, had discovered psychedelics and the Grateful Dead, and and uh, you know, just that was part of my identity right uh who i was and and who that guy is with took the cool photo of bob dylan or neil young or jerry garcia and made an eight by ten and you know stuck it on your bedroom wall um
4: but that's what i like so much about retro blakesburg is you know we we do it in decades so like the first is the 1970s and we have all these photos that my dad took of like him and his friends in high school getting up to no good and i think a lot of people haven't seen those photographs but that was sort of like. When his spark was starting, when he was getting into it,
2: I wanted to, which is cool to wait. Hold on, which is cool to see the photographer. That's what I was going to say. I I got to know you better. I want to tell you what that
0: did (laughs) for me. So, I've always known about Jay Blakesburg, the photographer, like this icon photographer that shot Jerry, and you know, and we've we've met, you know, but it was still I didn't know the person. And seeing that stuff was like,
2: oh, it put together a lot that's of. That's yeah. who
0: you are, like, and you're re- you're referring to looking at the book, the and book, see- look, and right. and seeing those pictures of you and your right. friends doing right. the same shit. Me and my <laughs> friends were doing yeah.
1: U.S. bombs, like, all the things. It was like,
0: oh, he's right. like, the, that's it's what not an did. icon. It's the person.
4: Well, even for me, I think too, like looking at all of his photos I think I get so caught up with like oh my this is my dad's job this is what he does yeah and then like experiencing his archive like this I was like sometimes getting emotional because I was like he this is he loves this you know like there's these moments where I'll catch him sometimes if we're at a concert and I see him and he's standing there you know with his hands on his heart and he's looking at the music happening and he's just lost in that moment and it like grounds me because I'm like holy shit like this is, this means more to him than just like his job.
2: This is his his passion. passion. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so special, you know, it's totally special. And you know, when I found out that you were curating this and you were involved, I mean, our, we're, my daughter's the same, same age basically. And Aaron's dad, all his family's in the entertainment business. His dad, his stepdad, his mom, all his sister, like our daughter, and to see the connection and to see the working together, it just it did something for me, you know it did something really solid for me because I realized like again that's a special, even though your're your father daughter there's a secondary bond it's not just oh you're my kid, you're my dad, this is like a a a shared passion totally, and for like to, this is like the that cream of the, the crop. This well, is. this I'm pointing it to can't. the retro. <laughs> book. Um, it, it's to me. That's like the, the cake topper, the, you know, the, the balloon in the air. Like this is like the, the best thing that I think you can do with your family well, is to create something so personal, so passionate and for everybody. That's the thing. Like this is not a selfish endeavor at all in, in the contrary. And so it's just very, it speaks very high. That's why I said about the historian, because that's, that's what you both are and what you're doing and you're continuing it. It's not like, Oh, this was, we did it and it's done. It's like a continuation. When you find yourself in the Portland area and you want to smoke some cannabis or get some cannabis inspired products, you want to go to Define. Premium cannabis. They have one location in Hillsboro to serve you. And our man, Apple, just happens to work there. He is going to set you up when you come in with anything you need that they carry, of course. You're going to let them know, hey, I've got a headache or hey, I fell at work and my shoulder just hasn't been right or you know what, I'm tired but I can't fall asleep and he's going to take all of those things into consideration, swirl them around in his inventory brain and give you the best product that you could possibly get and when you let them know that you listen to No Simple Road, he's going to give you a 10% discount and a free t-shirt. So when you wear that t-shirt back the next time, because you're going to love those products, you're going to be like, hey, I have my t-shirt on and I love No Simple Road. They're going to be like, boom, 15% on top of that 10%. So like I said, if you love Portland, you're visiting, you want to come get high or you just want to relax, come see us at Define. You will not regret it.
0: What is a city without its music?
3: And when we first started the book, it was a, a photo book that was a coffee table book of photos that I shot on film. But as Ricky started pulling these photos together, I saw it becoming my visual autobiography. <sighs> and that's when I was like, okay, you know, because these things evolve. It's yeah. not just like, you know, we didn't come up with an idea and say, hey, we're going to do a book and it's going to be separated by decades. At the beginning of each decade, I'm going to write an essay and I'm going to talk, you know, like yeah. none of that happened. She just started pulling book, you know, images together. And then I started to see how, her mind was working and then we have to organize it. What how does it make sense? Yeah. You know, does it make sense to put a picture of a guy doing a bong hit in nineteen seventy-eight in my bedroom next to David Bowie from nineteen ninety one? Not really. Right. So then yeah. we started saying, Okay, we're gonna do this by decade. And then I started saying, because a lot of people say to me all the time, Oh, you gotta write your autobiography, you gotta write your stories, yeah, you know, Jay. blah, blah, blah. You know, your life has been so fascinating. And, you know, partly because I put myself in those situations. It's had fascinating elements to it, but that's when I came back to Ricky and said, I'm going to write these essays. That's going to introduce each of these sections. And then her brain starts spinning and then she starts rethinking about how she's going to lay these Mm. photos out and what makes sense. And so there's the 1970s, which is high school and the photos that I took in high school of artists like Bob Dylan and Neil Young and Lowell George and John Cipollina and Roger McGuinn and Willie Nelson and Leon Russell.
4: Also just your, your friends, you and your friends and my friends. I right love that. and
3: we mix yeah, that all together and then we got to the 80s right and that's when i you know go to prison get out of prison um, uh, move to the Pacific Northwest, move to Olympia, Washington, get re inspired as a photographer because of the community that I'm with, which is essentially, you know, the people that I lived with in Olympia, Washington, we were essentially a creative commune. Everybody was wow. a musician, an artist, a dancer. Um, you know, people were, were always doing creative projects and we were always collaborating, right? So it really was, you know, for lack of a better term, a creative commune. So then, you know, we're like, we need, you know, we weren't sure if we we're going to include photos like that, but then it made sense to include right. photos. Photos like that because it showed the it showed the path the creative this path like
4: evolution I think is what you're getting right. at like that was the most important part for this book I feel like for me is. You know, in the 70s, he's more amateur and he's kind of just like having fun and learning the camera. The 80s, he's there and he's kind of getting back out there. He's shooting his friends. He's getting excited. You know, he's like really in the music. And then the 90s, you know, you start to see. Well, even
3: the late 80s, I need to start making a living because I'm graduating from college. And, you know. Life got real. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, even when I was in Olympia, I supported myself. I was not, you know, I didn't have any, any, Benefactor, put it that way. You, <laughs> oh, know, no? like, like I, you know, like if you know, you know them our way, right? Yeah, I, you know, I supported myself. But when you lived in Olympia, Washington, in 1983, your rent was 110 dollars right. a month. Oh my right. gosh! You know, and yeah. so, and so and, and and even when I moved to the Bay Area in '85. You know, and we live with roommates again, my rent was like 135 a month, oh 150 God. a month. I mean, we live with five people in the wow. same house. But, yeah. you know, but nowadays, if you lived in San Francisco or the Bay Area and you're just out of college and you're 23 or 24, 25 years old and you're sharing a house with five people, you're each paying fifteen hundred or twelve hundred dollars oh, a month. Yeah. Right. And so it's a little bit harder to be a bohemian artist yeah. on that level when you're trying to figure out how to pay your rent right and so i was able to i was able to essentially oh, develop my craft as a photographer because my overhead was so low so
2: that's why you're so cognizant of what you just said I'm earlier like uh, yeah now. you know so that she can actually focus on getting everything and and mm-hmm. making it beautiful and like you know having that thought time it's so hard when you have to go to work, clean up the house, do this, that, and the other. And then that creative time just kind of shrinks a little bit. Mind is mush. Yeah. So that's a real, that's just, so that's that's just good parenting. So so throw that in there. So the (laughs) mid, so
3: the mid eighties into the late nineties is when I, when I, you know, really started to say, okay, I can make a living as a photographer. I'm getting published in the golden road. I'm getting published in relics, you know, but how do I get into Rolling Stone? Boom. It happened 11/11/87. I shot U2 downtown San Francisco free concert. I had been reaching out to Rolling Stone magazine, the photo editor Jody Peckman. She was a, a deadhead and we had a mutual friend who was a bigger deadhead uh, and 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 uh, that they she went to high school with. And um, uh, so my friend introduced me to Jody, the new photo editor at Rolling Stone and I started submitting photos and and 6 months later she calls me up and says, "Hey Jay, it's Jody at Rolling Stone. I have your big break. I need you to go shoot the free U2 concert in downtown San Francisco." And 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 immediately, within weeks, I was shooting more assignments for her in L.A. and San Francisco and other Grateful Dead-related stuff. But like I said in my presentation last night here in Portland, um, most magazines didn't care about the Grateful Dead, right? So that's right. where yeah. I, that wasn't my bread and butter. Yeah. It was bands like U2 or Nirvana or Soundgarden or Jane's Addiction that were just starting to happen that the magazines were interested in. And that's how I was making a living, well, shooting for guitar magazines yeah. and music magazines and, and, and getting those assignments. And, uh, but still shooting the Grateful Dead at the same time. And so, you know, that was a big break for me. And I, and I think,
4: I, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I, th- I think something that also is like interesting with, with my dad and something that he's taught me for my whole entire life is like, if you want something, you really have to like go for it and push yourself and put yourself out there to do it. And he, and you know, like with the Jody Peckman story, you know, I've heard that story so many times, but it never gets old cause it's inspiring for him. You know, he's constantly calling like, give me a job. I want to do it. I want to do it. He's ingraining them like his name. Yeah. He's making heads. himself known. Exactly. And that's, it's important, you know, yes, we it just
0: had a conversation about this very thing yesterday regarding peach festival. Oh, wow. oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah.
2: So, um, well, c- tell, you know, tell us more. Yeah. Well, so his dad, old school, old, man, old, school Vegas. He, old school Vegas. He did lots of like shows that what, you know, um, Showgirls and uh, just lots of different musical variety. Yeah, shows. musical variety yeah, on the strip. And it, yeah. Oh, he Dude, is in Vegas, this, in,
0: like mob mobs, yeah. mob Vegas. <clears throat> like, where, where are the photographs?
4: I know, I was just thinking that too. Oh,
1: we, Meyer, we Meyer Lansky
0: the- was his boss. Like, and, whoa, and, yes, he told, told the
1: story of Meyer Lansky spitting on him one time <laughs> yeah. because he was pissed <laughs> off it's just like.
0: But it, growing up with that, I I was telling her yesterday, I learned from him the way you learn from your dad about how your word is everything. And like, you need to stay in people's minds, even if they're not, if you're not working with them so that when it does come up, you're the thing that they think of because especially now we're we're 32nd generation, like our attention spans suck. So if you're not at the top of the list in somebody's head, next, 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 you know, and Jay, I, Here's the thing that gets me is like I understand now after doing this show for five years of like getting to talk to my heroes and having some of the dreams that I had when I was younger kind of coming true. But you're able to at almost 61 to sit there and look back on how like 40 years of stuff that you've done. Is it fucking surreal to you, man? Like, all of it?
3: He may be surreal as a description. I think um, when I look at that body of work, and I because we've scanned a lot of that film right. for various reasons, I get to look at it and see it. And when I spend the time and get away from the task of the moment with my ADD and the work that really <laughs> needs to be done, and I start getting vortexed into some like photos I took 20, 30, 40 years ago, I think that the word that comes to me is I'm really proud of what I did. You, be right on you know, this. is that I'm really honored that these people gave me the opportunity to photograph them and uh you know it's funny like when i first started working with neil young you know 30 years ago uh you know on a regular basis you know their manager they didn't know who the fuck i was i was just like you know and and neil even called me that kid with the camera for a while right um and and so um nobody knew that i was going to still be the guy still standing and still have their Mm -hmm. shit together and and You could call me up and say, hey, you remember that picture that you took 30 years ago? How do I get that? Because we need to use it for a new record or whatever. And I could say, no problem. I can have that to you in in three hours, right? And there's not a lot of people that can pull that off, right? And so nobody knew that I would be the guy that's still standing, has their shit together, and, and is still working on a professional level, you know, all these years later, and and um, consistency and, and, and consistency and maintaining the professionalism, you know, a lot of people drugs and alcohol get in the way and, 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 and it's not easy to maintain a creative career for decade after decade and actually make a living and be able to put your kid through college and, you know, and, 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 and have them still work for you and still generate revenue and have a staff that works for you. You know, most photographers are lone, lone wolves in their basement and hovered in front of a computer these days. And I'm fortunate that my business has, um, succeeded I would hope based on my talent and creativity absolutely I can have staff you know I've got four people that work for me now and and uh, you really have only to thank yourself
2: <laughs> and I don't mean that in a don't get to his head No,
1: well, well, Careful there.
2: well I don't mean it like nobody else was uh, there for you but I'm saying nobody can make you do what you did so nobody m- can make you show up to these shows and be consistent right, and right. be calling the right. Jody's and you know, the John's right. and the whoever's like that. that's where I'm Coming from when I first it.
3: started, I took every single shitty fucking job that paid me seventy dollars or two hundred dollars or a hundred dollars because matter. the last thing that I wanted to do was go get a job, a real job. And and I always say that you know mm-hmm. my career, I'm successful in my career because of fear, and of course, <laughs> of course, and of course, fear, fear is the worst thing that you ever want to have. As yeah. but you know what I was afraid of? Of having to get a real job. Okay, that was that's what I was afraid of. Like I was just scared of having to get a real job, right? Because I didn't know what the, now nowadays at 60 years old in a world filled with technology and things that I've learned and know over the years, there's a lot of things that I'm super interested in that I could probably have maybe had a career in. But back then I had no idea about anything but photography. It's what I loved. It was passion. uh, It was my passion. I was inspired by it. Um, When you
2: were in school, were you taking any other like classes? I mean, I did a
3: little bit of video work, but that was such an early part of like video in the, in the early eighties. I'm self-taught as a photographer. I mean, I, you know, I started out, you know, I started taking photographs of bands on stage and I very quickly realized you go and pick up the new issue of Rolling Stone magazine or relics magazine nine out of 10 times. There's a portrait on the front cover, not a live shot. So I was like, okay, light bulb. If I'm going to make a living, I've got to learn how to shoot portraits. And so I, taught myself how to do portrait So even that,
2: that thought, who would think that? you know Jay what I'm Blakesburg. not Jay Blakesburg. <laughs> but like that's not common you know to to piece those things together to be like okay this is what I'm seeing that means this is what I got to learn how well, to do and plus I, and was I, ins- gotta, I
3: was inspired by those photographs that I was seeing on magazine covers Okay, you know whether it was a contemporary photographer or somebody like Irving Penn or Richard Avedon or you know and, and there's a lot of photographers today that have no point of reference to the stuff that happened 30, 40, 50, 70 years ago with these most iconic photographers these iconic artists Artists, whether they're street photographers, a Lee Friedlander or a Robert Frank or a Danny Lyons Deanne or Arbus. you know or Deanne Arbus, and so even Ricky goes back and looks at that stuff, and she's like, "Holy fuck, I love this shit!" Well, you know,
4: we bond like very much on that. You know, like besides just like music photography, photography or whatever. Like my dad and I are always sending each other photographers that we love and admire, and I think that's like a huge thing for me. Is I'm really into like fine art photography, and you know. For me, that's a huge goal of mine to, you know, get my dad out of just the music photography world and, you know, showcase his art in in different sure. different ways. Because I think that he, a lot of people know him as this music photographer. But some of these portraits he has, you know, of like Joni Mitchell, where yeah, he's like using the wrong film to create, you know, her in a blue setting. And these these portraits are just beautiful. And it's art it's like fashion I mean, it's photography. When, yeah, that's huge for me, too. Mm-hmm. In this is the fashion element and I I I really want my dad's work to go to that you know I don't want to say next level because it's just like, just more like just, a different arena, yeah. you know, cause it's broad really power. It broadened it. Exactly. Yeah. It's really powerful.
1: It's so awesome. Give you're some like, other you're stuff like love one Jay. Of his, just to see <laughs> the his you, biggest fan. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. You're like I'm his biggest that. fan. I mean, biggest I mean, critic. critic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Biggest critic. <laughs> but that's <too>. <laughs> also <laughs> awesome to see last night seeing you two and that th- your, your playful relationship, like with each mm-hmm. other, the ribbing each other. I, 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 I almost snorted when you're like, you screwed up the slide. Where's the Where roll? <laughs> and, and, and everybody. Just- I fixed that
3: this morning, by the way.
2: I think that was your fault. Well, uh, <laughs>
3: go. Oh, yeah. We started- You're the one who made the slideshow. <laughs> so, it oh. was an
2: oversight. You missed I just, it. <laughs> I wanted to
1: bring something back to the book for a minute. Because I, I, I talked to you for a moment last night about it when we first saw you. When I came with Jenny and we saw you. I don't know if you did it on purpose or not, but it is one of the most interactive books that I've held my hands in a while because of the way you set it up. You have to, I started thumbing through it like you do with a picture book and just looking at the little captions. And then I caught the C notes and I'm like, oh shit, I had to go back several pages and it's a heavy book. So, I find myself there holding this heavy book. I got a bookmark in the back for the captions pages so I can flip back. It, it makes you really stop and appreciate every photo. Yeah. And then you go to the back, you read the captions and so, and then you go back to the photo and look at it again. Right. So, every, it every, makes you slow down and appreciate every single photo and look at it differently.
3: When I started writing those long essays at the beginning of each decade, you know, and there were 2,000, 2,500 words there was still so much more I needed to say that I just couldn't put into those essays. Yeah. And so I realized I needed to do quote unquote extended captions and it didn't make sense to put them. And we had long conversations yeah, with, with with Ricky and me and our book designer lives here in Portland also. also um,
4: like my best friend right. from college. Oh, right. the Amazing. one that you shouted yeah. out yesterday? Yeah,
3: so yeah. Molly, right Molly, Molly. Shout Fulton. out Molly. Yeah. And, Shout so, out. Hey, and <laughs> Molly. so Molly, so the three of us would be like, what do we do? And that's when we said, okay, we're going to come up with this idea where we're going to put, the extension, extended captions in the back under a note section and if a photo has a, you know, you have to come up with these templates sort of sp- so to speak, mm, right? Yeah. And so like if if it's a full page photo and there's nowhere to even just put the most basic caption which is who it is, the date it was shot and where it was photographed, then uh, we would, if there was room on the next page to put it, we would do it. But if it was a full page spread and a full page spread and a full page spread, there's nowhere to put it going yeah. three backs so and then it would go in the back of the book, okay?
4: But Apple, yeah. I like, what you said because that was like a huge intention of mine is like I want you to be able to really experience that photograph and like get lost in it and I know for me when I sometimes am looking through photo books it's easy to start reading, or you get overwhelmed by the text. Like I have such ADD, I see the text. I'm like, no, 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 I like, I can't commit. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. so like for me, like to really spend time with the photo and then be like, cool, I have my interpretation of this image. Now I want to go read about it and see where it was. Oh wow, you know, like you kind of get your own experience, then you really
2: like learn about it, and, well, yeah. think- and then you go
1: back to it again exactly. and again several like, times. And on,
2: it- on another note, too, like what. We're so like Aaron said earlier, we're like 30 seconds, you know, 40 seconds, scrolling, yep, scrolling, yeah. scrolling. We're looking at it, but we're not looking at right. it. This has really changed it and made you mm. study it, examine it, look in the background, look at the outfits, look at the the sun. Like it really, nobody ha- has
0: fucking phones self, oh, when you,
2: Gosh, exactly. Jay, when you said that yesterday, I was like. Well, I, we were seeing it. The room but was it just, silent. You're
4: like, you're recording it. You're like, yeah. Well,
3: <laughs> the
2: room, I was being the room,
1: good last night. I was being really good last I'm night.
2: The kidding, room I'm was like, silent. When, totally you,
1: when you asked that question, the room was silent, like looking at the picture, like, what is missing? It's and then like when the, you said it, yeah. it's like,
2: oh, Because oh, no it's such a shit. part of us right now. And so it is a beautiful historical account of a time when we didn't have that and people were dancing to dance. They were looking at the band. Cause they like the band not because they wanted not to go we, we, we were cute. all
3: in the moment to be in the moment Together. not mm-hmm. to be on social no, media yeah. you, like, the next post day post
4: about it or say I was here or something
1: yeah you know? Well, what is, I said something somewhere. I said the, the the normal attention span nowadays is about eight to 10 seconds.
0: What
3: What were you talking about? It so was about two.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. What are you saying?
3: If Ricky inherited anything from me, it is my major ADD. Right? It, it, it clearly oh. is help, though. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like it, Superpower. I think a lot of people will, will say that, Um, you know, maybe like as a negative or to give people a heads up of why they're not paying attention. But this it's perfect. You got to run around, you got to focus, you got to pay attention. The ADD kind of works to your benefit as a photographer, a concert photographer. It certainly has
3: worked for me. I don't know if I could function, you know, because my wife and, and people have even said, you know, why don't you get on drugs? Why don't you know? Yeah. um, And, and Ricky is no longer on it, but she, you know, in college and high school, she was on drugs to help her focus and, and it actually worked for her. And it was, I actually never believed in doing that. And when I watched how it helped her, immensely I was actually my attitude change um, but for me I always felt like I did like i I'd, I'd been successful in the way that I did my work and I did my life without yeah. it I didn't want to risk changing that because I didn't want to totally upset the it. chemistry <laughs> that allowed me to be creative totally. the way that I've already been creative and be successfully creative in my own little weird world but you know like I mean I literally have been in the middle of like you know Paying bills and, you know, signing checks that get printed out of the comp- printer and like, you know, r- signing checks, signing checks and remembering something I didn't do and literally walking away from signing <laughs> those checks and going to do something else and then coming back and be like, oh, wait, I didn't I even. Look. Maybe I have 80. Days. Yeah, you know, right, like, and, and and really that, you know, and, and I mean, and you know, and yeah. I, I, I love reading books. I read books every day, all the time. Um, but it takes me forever because a lot of times like I'll read something and something will catch me and my mind wanders yeah. and I read two pages and I'm like, <laughs> okay, I just read two pages in that book and I didn't actually read one word and that, <laughs> you know, that to go back and read it again yes. and that's Same. only because my mind wanders yeah. and yeah. I know that it's, it like sometimes it actually bums me out and makes me sad and people who don't have that, yeah. you know, can't understand that concept, can't understand how your mind, you know, like you could be in a conversation with somebody and your mind just all of a sudden wanders and my wife looks at me all the time she goes, you didn't hear anything I said, did you? And I'm looking right at her and I'm having this conversation. I'm like, um, yeah, I heard that last word that you said about the farm, you know, whatever. Like, I'm like, but it, it she, under, I mean, she understands it, right? And, yeah. and 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 it actually, sometimes for me, it bothers me because I feel bad that I can't stay focused. Um, you know, and it's not because I don't like you or I don't love you or, or I'm not engaged in what yeah. you do. It has nothing to do with that. It's actually- a affliction, a disease—I don't know what the fuck you call it—but it's a problem that I cannot control. Yeah, um, it's beyond my control, and and it's like the well, it's the. Weird I like thing. It, it when I, I
4: like it when I'm telling a story, and I kind of know that he's not listening, so I'm like going to keep telling the story, and I know he's going to pay attention right when like the really good part happens, like I'm spilling the tea, and he's always like, what "Sorry, t- what did you say? <laughs> like, can you can you go back?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I knew you weren't listening."
1: <laughs> we this is but we have a we have a rule in this house that was created years ago because uh, not arguments but debates come up we are not always paying attention and we have a rule here now because there's well there's four of us now there used to be their son simon if somebody backs up that i'd like, like aaron saying dude i told you that the other day and I'm like, no, you didn't. If somebody else backs it up, then it's true. If you got two. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I was. It's like you, we look at it. It's like, like you were the... out on the patio too, and it's like, and then you have a. Se- it's right. like I second that. It's like okay, I guess Done. you did. So
3: it's a. It's a moral majority. Moral <laughs> majority. Yeah. Yes. Yes. yeah. Like, yeah. Yep.
1: No and then you have to admit yes. that you weren't paying attention, and then you get to be told again. I, I want to <laughs> ask
0: you something, Jay, about meeting the people that, um, that we look up to, because I know for me. Prior to doing this show, I had a completely distorted view of the people that are making the music yes. that we love and listen to. First of
1: all, we both thought everybody was high all the, all time. the time. I was like,
0: they can't play these shows and not be high. That, but that's not what I'm getting at. Um, <laughs> after five years of interviews and talking to people, I've quickly realized that we're all fucking just human beings, man, doing our thing. And these guys just happen to be really talented at playing music. And it's actually deepened my appreciation for the music in a lot of ways. Um, how has meeting your heroes changed for you over the years?
3: People have asked me that before. And certainly when I'm photographing somebody like Jerry Garcia, like you kind of need to keep your shit together. Right. Um, you know, so as a creative person who's typically photographing these people for a purpose and, Mm -hmm. and, and oftentimes being paid to do that. Um, it is my responsibility to come back with the goods, right? And so, coming back with the goods doesn't mean geeking out and mm. fawning over the people and saying, "Oh my God, that 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 you know, morning dew you played last night in Oakland right. blew my you know." Yeah, it's like, that's not you know. It's cool. y- you need to relate to people on a human level. And, um, and it's also changed a lot, you know, and social media has done that because of the access that photographers have, is that um, there's a woman, her name is Jan Uelsky, and she was a, a staff writer, editor at the original Cream magazine out of, you know, Detroit back in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, you know, Lester Bangs, the height of all of that stuff. And she used to have this, this saying that she always said to me, rock stars are not your friends, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what they said at Cream. And if you know anything about Lester Bangs, that was was sort of the vibe. They felt like they couldn't be critical. They couldn't be authentic if okay. they just were friends with these people, right? If they sort of do that a little bit in almost famous, there's a little right. bit of that vibe. You know, like he's not He's the enemy. <laughs> yeah. He's the enemy. And 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 so for a long time I I prescribed, you know, or I subscribed to that philosophy. And then eventually that changed and I realized, you know what? These people are my friends. And I'm a lot like them. Um I did a book in 2008 it came out and it's called traveling on a high frequency. And people were like, is that you that's traveling on high frequency? I'm like, no, the people in the book, they travel on a high frequency. And so we just get to tap into that frequency. Mm -hmm. And when you realize, like you said earlier, these people are incredibly talented. So when you get to somebody like a Neil Young and you're around Neil and you watch him like interact with people and his eyeballs are spinning around in his head because he has even more ADD than us. Okay. Because he's so creative at Mm -hmm. every moment of the day you know, it's sort of like that—that that thing's just always spinning. That hard drive that's just always spinning because he's always thinking. And and I find that a lot of musicians are like that, mm-hmm. right? They travel on a high frequency, and they're spinning, 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 and uh, and so you have to understand that, right? And you have to work with that and uh, and that's one of the things that i've learned is that you know sometimes it's got to be all business you know like if neil young is gonna give me 10 minutes to do a photo shoot a i don't girl. have i don't have 9 minutes to tell him how much you know uh, uh is. you know heart of gold <laughs> meant to me in high school right like i need to just you know, be ready, be prepared, do what I do. And if he wants to shoot the shit with me afterwards, you know, then we can talk about, you know, the car or, you know, the guitar or whatever it might be. But I think in general, um, the goal has for me has always been to treat them as, humans and and not as deities and i never you know i never looked up to garcia i know like weir has recently said things like you know people people treated jerry like he was a a deity and that was bad and it was you know jerry didn't like it bob didn't like it i think there's a i think i just read this is this the washington post interview just from the other day maybe i think he maybe mentions that and and so you know i i Even when I was, you know, tripping on, you know, copious amounts of LSD at a Grateful Dead concert, I never thought that Jerry was God. I never thought that the band was God. I just thought that that experience was elevating all of our consciousnesses to another level that was, and I think it was Jerry who once said, you know, I'm just in it for the fun right because without fun in our lives what are our lives a 9 to 5 job boring right boring yeah. right well,
4: i think that's why also you've gotten so many of the stories you've gotten from these artists mm-hmm. is because you're patient and you're not there to be like Oh my God! You're not fangirling. You're like, let's do this, and then I think I'd
3: be fanboying.
4: Sorry, fanboying, (laughs) (laughs) fandaying them. It's
3: whatever. Who
4: fucking cares? And like, I think (laughs) I'm like, and I think that's so important because then these people like really did open up, and that's also why they call you back because they're like,
0: he's. And the other flip side of that too is you were talking about the energy of the shots earlier, being a deadhead, for whatever that means, and understanding what a peak of a jam is, you
3: have an inside, you have inside information on when to take the shot. You have to. Yep. The best piece of advice I ever got from anybody about shooting a live rock and roll concert came from my Little League coach when I was 10 years old. <laughs> what? And he said, anticipate the play. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. He okay. Still says that. So if you're playing second base and there's a man on first and the ball gets hit to you, what's your play? You throw it to second base and throw the guy on first out. Right. So anticipate the play. Best piece of advice That's I ever awesome. got for shooting live rock and roll. Yeah. Ten years old on the little league field. There was a
0: shot last oh. night in the in the slideshow of Bobby on stage and his hair is kind of flying in the wind and he's kick he's got his knee kicked back he's and got it, the
4: short shorts. Yep.
0: And I was like, <laughs> Yeah That's and Jay knowing and the moment. And
3: I was eighteen years old when I took that photograph. You know, and it's knowing that it's knowing that music and it's knowing when to wait for that moment. And, and you know, that's why a lot of people who are photographers, they stand around with their camera in one hand and a beer in the other. You're not going to mm. get that photograph. You know, you need to know, you know, you need to be ready no, at, man, I've at, seen all, you at all moments. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah. You're like at Skull and Roses, man.
3: You were. right we're like a praying (laughs) mantis like running everywhere are you guys coming back to Skull and Roses oh yeah Yeah. excellent yep I'll be there I I just got booked and and confirmed so uh,
2: can I ask about that like at at a young age you're doing these concerts you're paying for your own concerts at this point of course what, what time does like at what point in your career does that change
3: after the U2 thing yeah, somewhere around the late '80s is when I'm starting to get photo passes and can you know request credentials to go to pretty much any show that I want. Um, I think that with the Grateful Dead, I think connecting with Bill Graham presents first. I started getting comp tickets to Dead shows via the Grateful Dead and yeah. and the people that worked for Bill Graham. I got yeah. them, sorry I got them for the Grateful Dead through Bill Graham's office. And then when I photographed Bob Weir with Rob Wasserman, I did those portraits of him uh, when they were starting their duo act uh, in 1990. Then I could call Bobby's office and just request tickets and passes. And so from 1990 on uh, Bobby pretty much is where I got my, my tickets and my passes. Jay hasn't for, had for, for his for finger shows. up in the lot in a really long time. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, it's kind of like that
2: marker that to yeah. lets you know that, well shit, man, right. I'm part of this too. I'm not like, an onlooker coming no I'm I'm part of the happening and I'm I'm working, I'm exit, working. Yeah.
3: And you know, it's funny that uh, people always say to me like, oh, can you help me get tickets or how do I buy tickets? I'm like, I, I, I'm like such an idiot. Like I don't even know how to buy tickets for a show. It's, it's just such a stupid <laughs> It's a thing. Good problem to yeah, have. You know, like I just, it is. like, I mean, I, you know, I don't. I roll. Right. Okay, uh, yeah. well, I <laughs> want exactly. to ask a question, I'm a little bit of a hard left, but. Uh-oh. Okay, well,
2: back to when you were in jail and you said you were like growing sprouts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before, like, I love that shit. I I want to know about your diet because you're going, you're touring just like any other musician, and it's not easy to tour. We talk, we talk to them all the time about like, how do you stay healthy on the road and like all this stuff. How one? What was your inspiration in the beginning? Because clearly you've had LSD.
3: well. <laughs> Well, and how do you keep it going? Both practical and like the the origin. Okay. I'm not completely clear on the question, but going back to the early days of tour, we used to travel in my 69 Chevy Nova, saw a couple hundred dead shows in that car and we traveled with what we called the refrigerator of life. And it was an igloo cooler that was yellow and it was stocked with just really good food. You know, and that's how we, after, you know, we, because we, back then when you were a vegetarian in the early 80s, you couldn't, there was no whole foods. There was no, there was no tofu. Like you couldn't buy things like that. And I lived in New Jersey. You couldn't even get avocados or kiwis or.
2: So how did you adopt that lifestyle?
3: Um, I think I met a guy named Dana who was a vegetarian. And I, be, I became a vegetarian at age 20 um, 1981, January, 1981, I ate my last piece of meat. Um, and, uh, and at first, you know, there was political and social and, and, and hippie ideals behind that. And after you get to like, you know, seven years, you know, at that point, like people say to, don't you miss meat? I'm like, no, I'm completely, you know, repulsed by it. Um, you know, like, uh, yeah. I you know yeah, people that. are, you know, and I don't really eat like fake meat products. I mean, there's been times in my life where I've eaten like the, the soy bologna yeah. and bacon, fake and bacon and things like that. But you know, even that stuff is kind of heavily processed. So yeah, you know, I've I've been a vegetarian, you know, getting close to forty, you know, about yeah. to go into my forty second year, I guess. And uh, even in prison, I didn't eat. Any meat, um, you know, I ate a lot of carbs and bad canned vegetables. And um, we had a smuggling ring in prison, and I discovered um, five uh, f- five pound cans of government issued grade A peanut butter back in a storage room, and we <laughs> stole it and smuggled it out. And <laughs> and I lived, I lived on peanut butter and white white bread that was stale <laughs> um in the prison system and we had wow. a whole, we had a whole black market going also discovered a few hundred pounds of um government issue grade a cheddar cheese in a refrigerator back there and we used to just cho- ch- chop off chunks of it and smuggle it back into the dorms and and um so uh wow. so the refrigerator is- of life has gone with you this whole time <laughs> yeah, it's just part of it. but so so in jail right in jail um we were everybody's allowed to smoke in the dorms because that was really healthy. And so the cigarette, the butt cans were these giant industrial size vegetable cans, right? Like, you know, giant institutional. And so um, in jail, you were allowed to have an iron to iron your pants in the drug program that I was in, because I was a drug offense, right? And so, because you know, you had to have like really sharp looking pants if you're a drug addict. And so we would take, <laughs> so we would take that that iron and flip it upside down into this can, this vegetable can. And um, I stole a stainless steel ashtray out of the drug counselor's office, and we ru- ru- cleaned it out. And we would smuggle eggs and cheese and bread and butter out of the out of the cafeteria um, in in our black market little. Trading zone, and every night we would make omelets and grilled oh, cheese and <laughs> shit like this. Like we had a whole Ingenuity. fucking we had a whole fucking racket Damn. going, man.
2: And uh, <laughs> shit, yeah. Like we were trade. Oh, you had we had a would, lot in the jail. Like,
3: I'd be like, hey, man, I'll, I'll trade you two pounds of peanut butter for a dozen eggs, you know. And then so they would like smuggle them down from the kitchen to the storeroom where I was, and we would do all this bartering. And and, then, and and my job was to deliver supplies to all the dorms, so we would have to deliver these giant. Boxes Boxes with, like, 200 rolls of toilet paper, and we would take, like, the bottom 20 rolls out and put all this contraband in there and then bring it into our dorm, and then I'd give it to the guys there that were the prisoners, the trustees, and they would take it out, and they would smuggle it, and they'd put it aside. I and love it. We had all, like, it was like the, the remember that movie The Longest Yard with yes. Burt Reynolds and, you know, anybody, like, remember he got the guy laid, and he got Burt yeah. Reynolds laid, you know? Um, like, you know, that was what it was like. I mean, we were, you know, we, we had a black market Quite going Quite literally off. the wow. most wholesome Black market yeah. ring
0: ever, ever yeah. <laughs> yeah right well you know what we're
3: the, stealing the, you, eggs and you, cheese right yeah. but you I know what this. the biggest commodity in jail was white sugar because everybody who was not a jonesing they were jonesing wow. so but, so we were smuggling bags we would take the fifty pound bags of white sugar and dump them into a giant clean garbage bag in a garbage can put them in in small like sandwich bags and in our socks smuggle them back and sell them or trade them barter them for anything you know most people did cigarettes I didn't smoke. So I did like orange juice and postage stamps so I can mail letters to my friends and you know, shit like that. And, and uh, but people would take like white sugar and put 25 tablespoons in their morning coffee because it gave them that buzz. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause they were drug addicts. And if you didn't get arrested for a drug offense, like you might've been a heroin addict, but you got arrested for breaking and entering. Right. So right. you were robbing yeah. somebody's house. You didn't have to go to a drug program. Okay. So you're in jail and you're jonesing and so we're smuggling white sugar and that was their fix. That was their, f- they, wow. were, they were, they were, they were feeding that Jones, man. So Dang. you know what they called, they called white sugar in, in prison. They called it Heron. Got any Heron? Oh, wow. So, you what? know, just like, you know, crazy shit like that went down. So, so like I said last night, you know, prison was a, it was a dark, deep, deep, dark comedy. Um, I think if I was there for 10 or 15 years, it would have been a deep, deep, dark bummer. Um, and there's, yeah. all, you know, there's yeah. a, there's a lot of people that, that got arrested just a few years years after me when Reagan and uh, Ronnie and Nancy an yeah. you know it's changed timing. the change the drug laws and mandatory minimums and 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 I my heart bleeds for people that spent 10 and 15 years in prison you know like I was in jail for just under 8 months and, uh, and very fortunate because otherwise if I didn't get out in eight months, if I had spent 10 or ten years in jail, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Nope. Ricky wouldn't be born. You wouldn't yeah. know who I was. I'd be yeah. selling insurance in like New Jersey and, you know, <sighs> and, and having some horrible life. you know, who knows, oh right? Gosh. But yeah. do you know what I mean? It's like, who knows yeah. what would have happened? But essentially, um, you know, the people who got arrested with less LSD than I did, and I got arrested with 2000 hits, um, you know, the people who got arrested with 200 hits and spent 20 years in prison. I mean, my heart, I, I mean, I cry for that. I, I, you know, people's lives were ruined unnecessarily for something that we believed in as a spiritual sacrament, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so I feel very, very fortunate and I never, never, ever take it for granted. And even though my prison experience was my prison experience and I made the best of it, and it, like I said, it was a, a dark comedy. Right. Um, I, I, you know, I still feel really, really fortunate that I did not have another experience. Yeah, man. Which could have easily happened. I toured,
0: in ninety ninety one ninety one 91, 91 tour, 91 tour, Greensboro, North Carolina, one of the guys on my bus, footbear, was selling doses in the lot. Show ends, no footbear. uh And sh- we wait. Every car leaves. We get kicked out of the lot. He's gone. He got popped with two pages. He did 20 did 20 years right for North two Carolina, Carolina. hundred cool. hits for two hundred yeah it's fucked
3: so you know uh, I'm going to bring up one one thing here because I know we're going to start wrapping this yep. up because otherwise we'd be boring people to death if they'd listened to me right. and Ricky and, and you guys <laughs> yeah, for like nice tell <laughs> yeah, I was going to say day. we could talk all for, night, for more than yeah. for more no, than, no, than 60 or 70 minutes which is we're probably being professional we're yeah we're going back to but, that uh, um, um, uh, and you can edit this out if it doesn't work timing wise but um, I have my first solo museum exhibit up right now in New Jersey and uh, uh, Ricky and I worked on this together. We, we curated this with a woman at the museum and uh, it's called retro Blakesburg captured on film, 1978, 2008 sort of follows a lot of what's going on in the book. Okay. And uh, it's 125 prints over four galleries. Wow. Uh, it's a, the only Smithsonian affiliate museum in the state of New Jersey. And so, you know, I went from that kid, you know, with a bong on his chest at English town at 15 years old to the person with a, museum exhibit at a Smithsonian Affiliate Museum in New Jersey today yes. and so yeah. this is up until February 5th 2023 wow. uh, and it's good. at the Morris Museum in Morristown, New Jersey you can go to morrismuseum.org in your home state in, in my home state. state and what's so ironic it's about 20 miles away from where I grew up and so wow. I local always, boy makes right, good well, I, well it's funny because I like to joke you know like in high school we were like the stoners and people made fun of us right? and that kid's going to go nowhere you know he's going to end up in jail which I did you know <laughs> right. and so you know so you know, you leave high school the, the, the you know the town disgrace and, you know, now I come back, like the guy with the, excuse me, you know, I'm the guy with the museum exhibit, you know, like, you know, who the fuck knew, right? So, well done. It's really
4: a beautiful, like retrospective of his work and it's a cool little, like glimpse into what you can see in the book. So, it's nice. You walk through the gallery and you just sort of see all of these artists that he's captured.
0: Where can people go to buy the book and also find out information on this too?
3: Okay. So and real quick on the museum exhibit. So there's four galleries. One is just Grateful Dead. Okay. One is just portraits. One is just live performance photography. Oh, shit. And one gallery is like early work, high school, and there's, you know, didactic. So there's text on the walls and there's ephemera in glass cases. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, um uh, you know so there's a lot to look at you need you know a good hour hour and a half to look through the whole exhibit um morrismuseum.org Uh, Morristown, New Jersey the Morris Museum and uh, the book you can go to blakesburg.com B-L-A-K-E-S-B-E-R-G order books directly from me we will sign them we'll personalize them check out
4: the Instagram RetroBlakesburg toss it a follow I'm always posting about the book
0: it's so good
3: yeah and so that's Mm -hmm. where you can find out what we're doing and we also have a new Instagram that we're just starting called Retro Photo Archive what we talked about earlier right on and Ricky's Ricky's working on that
4: curated by me baby (laughs) right on
2: Ricky before we leave, what what should people who don't know your dad's work and doesn't know your dad, what should they take away? Like, what do you want them to know about your dad?
4: Um, well, it's actually interesting that you asked that because recently we had someone reach out to us for, for an interview, sorry, um, for an interview. Um, and they actually found out about us through Retro Blakesburg, not his Instagram. And I think the biggest thing, it was a young girl. Um, she's, I think, maybe 22 or 23. And she was just talking about how inspired she was seeing all of these um, photos and getting to like live, going back to that nostalgia idea. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, the biggest thing I want people to take away from retro Blakesburg is my dad is more than just the grateful dead and his work is poetry Mm -hmm. and art and fashion and style and pop culture. And you can really learn so much from all of these images and, Um, each photo is a journey within itself. So I hope that when people experience the book or the Instagram or an individual photo, that they're able to really get lost in that photo and take their own journey with it. And then maybe actually learn about the photo, call back to Apple. So
3: yeah. All right. Right. Thank you guys so much. Apple, Aaron, Mel, thank you guys so much. We love you. We appreciate this. um, and, uh, Boy, I guess we probably could have kept going on for another four hours totally. so, easily. Oh. So we will revisit once again. Well, yeah, we, we'll, this we'll is your you second time on, so yeah. we, there's going to um, be more. Maybe we'll <laughs> do a little mini catch up at Skull and Roses. That'd be, that'd be really you know, cool. Just like because I'm a, the Skull and Roses podcasts are they just little segments with a bunch of people, or we? Yeah, we just do like little 25 minute interviews.
2: Well, whatever, really, they have time for because yeah. you know how they have to be on. Right. And right. Right. so if, yeah.
3: to, if if we have time, because I'll be running around like a chicken without a head. <laughs> I'm
0: working on something special,
3: right? So, mm-hmm. but yeah. We'll and uh, thanks, you guys. Appreciate thank, your time. Thank yeah. you, too, for All coming. Right. Yes. No, simple. no simple road. Thank you.
0: I love the the Jay Blakesburg plug at the end there. That yes. is priceless.
2: Yay, Jay. Classy.
0: Classy man right there, everybody. And Ricky. And
2: Jay, your hair's gorgeous. <laughs> if I didn't tell you while you <laughs> so were that here, food, I'm man. telling you now.
0: You know what? That, listening back to just a few minutes that we just listening to, you could refeel the feeling of having them here at the I house. I was
2: shot out of a cannon. Yeah,
0: you, you I were. was. I think re- we all were. We were excited but that my, day.
2: Just my the tone of my voice. I'm so loud and like,
1: dang. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I remember we were excited because this was like unusually. It was like in the middle of the week, in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. I got got to take off work early. Got was excited all morning, and then came home. I was worried I wasn't going to get here before them. And I did, <laughs>
2: and then the and then he took a photo with uh, like I think our phone or your whoever phone. Or your phone, and it was just dope. Yeah, well, it was uh, like a I wonder such, why, but but okay, I know because why Jay. clearly. But like it was just like right in our patio. Nobody was dressed up for nothing. Like it was just like oh here, let me take a quick little.
0: And it was one of my favorite pictures of us. Yeah, it's a great pick, man. It went on our thank Christmas card. Thank you, Jay. Card, didn't
2: yeah, it, it went on our Christmas card, it Jay. Sure thank did.
0: you. Um, everybody, if that didn't inspire you to do what you're passionate about in this life, I don't know what's going on. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, it just give it a try, man, and just go for it and go balls out.
2: Times and- are definitely different, but then that just means that there are different opportunities
0: for you out there yeah and you know what like there's so many different um avenues for people to try things now the it's it's a brand new world every day and if you've got something that you love doing you might as well give everything to it i mean what do you got to lose you only live once and i'm going to tell you something when you get in up into your 50s you realize that you have less time in front of you than you have in back of you. And that's a weird realization to have. And that makes you want to really do the things that you're passionate about even more. And also realize that you should have done it earlier. So I wouldn't shit on anybody. I'm talking about me. Yeah. I'm just saying that there comes a time when it's time to do the thing that you're passionate about. That is true. And this is one of those conversations that's very inspirational and I agree. Um, A true, like, success story of somebody that's just killed it.
2: And anything where family rises together is my favorite thing of all.
1: Like
0: hmm. I'm just saying. Sounds familiar. <laughs> and <laughs> anything
1: worthwhile has its struggles. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Absolutely. That's true. So, you know what? This is a the perfect episode to go out of 22 and into 23 with um we will be back next week with a brand new year's worth of stuff yeah. for everybody. I hope that all of you party your asses off this weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Have fun. Be safe. Yes, Be safe. You know, care for each other. Take care of each other. Look out for each other. If you're going to shows, keep an eye on that guy. that looks a little too sweaty and bug eyed and skitzy.
1: And if you're doing things, had like test it.
0: Go well, that too. Like, that's important. Or don't do anything and stay home and fall asleep before the fireworks. We've done that before, huh, Mel? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've
2: done yeah. that most of our life, <laughs> to be honest. I remember, it's we, only within the last few years uh, that we've been going
1: remember, out. We we grew up having a friend whose mom paid him to stay home every New Year's. Really? Because she was Who? afraid from Henry. Really?
0: Yeah. I, I did not know that.
1: that. Yeah. After we were about, because back in Vegas, I don't remember what year they banned it, but- People used to go to the hospital, and a couple deaths happened from people throwing bottles. Oh, at New Year's, I, throwing champagne bottles. Yeah, I throwing remember that because I worked on the me too. Yeah, it used to be dangerous, and Henry's mom started because that that was like it was like early nineties. And and he's like he's like, bro, I'm staying home. Like whatever, dude, you're a bummer. He's like, dude, my mom's giving me five hundred bucks to stay home for the night. I, I was like, no oh okay, problem, I'll see mom. you tomorrow, man. We'll party <laughs> tomorrow. We'll party tomorrow. You got five hundred bucks now. Um, Dang,
0: I. When I was working for my dad's video company, we filmed on the strip at new year's one year and at midnight it was like mortars. People were just flinging full champagne balls flicking up in the air, man. By the time
2: it was like, I worked um, in on the strip in 98 right yeah 9899 mm-hmm. and you they stopped letting anybody have glass so like if you came out of the casino there was security guards there with p- paper or not plastic like cups yep yeah. and you can pour your drink in and keep going but you could not bring any a glass. Hey, this is so funny. A, you you can't go outside
0: with the glass, but you can bring the alcohol.
1: Absolutely. We don't want you to quit having fun, but you guys are animals. You're gonna start throwing things and yeah. hurting people. So
0: the point is, be safe out there. Take yes. care of each other. You know what? New Year's Eve is the perfect time to smile at a stranger. That's and right. Safety third and hydrate, you guys. And you know what? Happy New, New Year. Year. And you yeah.
2: know what? Go live your dream.